How would you like to spend less time on payroll? How would you like to improve your client experience? How would you like to be a hero to your clients' understaffed HR and IT functions? How would you like to get your clients' discounts on apps like Slack, Zoom, or Dropbox? How would you like a $100 Amazon gift card? Stay tuned to learn more from our sponsor, Rippling, later in the episode. The idea is that you could actually edit your data in a spreadsheet rather than having to do it in the in the accounting system, which you could do a lot faster, right? Like, that's the, the idea. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of accountants do this, right? They'll take a report from QuickBooks, export it to Excel, make some changes there, and then pay somebody to data entry it back. Right, right, or if you right, really yeah. commit, you build like a, a Zapier zap and it, and it goes in, edits those transactions, pushes it back in. This is really that full end-to-end trip. I didn't realize, I don't remember Intuit buying data deer. This was just announced five days ago. Today is Sunday, October 3rd. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, I saw your message this morning. You were confused if I was getting your text or not because you switched back to Apple. So we didn't talk about this last week, but just like I ruined my phone, apparently you had a phone adventure of your own. Yes, yes. I walked into the pool with my phone in my pocket. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I'm not making so this any. It's not excuse. like it was on the edge of the pool and it fell in. You just no, walked in with just, it in your pocket. It was in my pocket. I forgot about it. I walked in and I didn't realize I had done that for like 30 minutes. And so then I, I get out of the pool and I realize it's in there. And I'm thinking, oh no. Well, I heard that the phones are somewhat water resistant or waterproof to some extent. But I think I was on that threshold where maybe it's not going to come back because it had been submerged for quite a while, not deep, but for a while. And it wouldn't turn on. And uh, so, you know, I, I let it dry out for like a day, like you're supposed to. And then it still wouldn't turn on. And I was actually traveling this week. So I had to figure out something. So I have this backup Android device, the device that I'm using, coincidentally, to test my app that I'm building, the Earmark CPE app. We'll discuss that later. But I had that. So, you know, I swapped the SIM card, got it going, and I have not actually ever owned an Android device. So, I was learning Android, and I was surprised, actually, at how good it is these days. Uh, you know, I, I played with it in the store years ago and made the choice to go with iPhone when iPhone was pretty new, because Android just seemed like garbage to me at that point. It was, like, really hard to use. But now, you know, I have most of my stuff on Google, and uh, it's just fantastic, really, really good. So I was, I was doing that for a week. I traveled, went to Texas for the IMA Texas uh, annual gathering that they do there and then came back and my son first thing he says is i got your phone working uh, apparently <laughs> yes yeah he, he he had saw me trying it so while i was gone he thought hey i'll try it and he charged it up and it turned on so i guess it just took like a week to dry out finally dried out yeah but here's the thing here's the thing warning to all of you if you ever switch from ios to android getting your text messages to work is a nightmare because Apple has iMessage and all your texts are getting routed through their servers to try and turn that off. You know, Apple does a lot of amazing things with customer service and things going on and off, but I don't think that switching off of their platform is something they really prioritize, making a good experience. So it's just <laughs> horrific. You like are going to lose text messages for like a day. You just have to accept they're going into a black hole and you're never going to see them again until you get off of this system. 
And of course, now that I'm off of it, getting back on, like, I don't know, I can't get any SMSs from you, David, because you're on Android. So anyway, it's a whole, whole uh, thing, but it's kind of amazing, actually, that these phones are actually waterproof now or enough where it could survive that because that's a pretty new thing. So yeah. And being this summer, we uh, went and stayed up in Phoenix and, you know, at one of the resorts with my sister and her kids and blah, blah, blah. And some guy takes his Kindle, not the Kindle Fire, but the regular Kindle. And obviously he must have sunscreen on it or something sitting on the sun. He just takes it, he sticks it in the pool and rinses it off, takes it out, what? dries it. What? Continues on. I was just he like, rinsed... that's the, you just put it in the pool, shook he it around. Rinsed... He rinsed his Kindle in the pool? Yeah. Just, I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I, I, yeah, I don't like, like, you know, like, I almost had to question him. <laughs> yeah. Just like it was nothing. Like an everyday occurrence, you just. Hey, it's a, little, it's a little dirty. Throw it in oh the pool, rinse it around, wipe it off with a towel. <laughs> good to go. That's so. Amazing. Yeah, apparently these devices are starting to become somewhat waterproof. Well, and Apple, the rumor has it that they're trying to remove all the ports, even the Lightning port, from their phones. So that's the thing that allows the water to get in right now. So if they can get rid of the charging port, then they can make the whole thing waterproof, like really waterproof. So you know that's where we are with technology in the consumer electronics world. And still, you know, we're trying to get people off paper checks in the accounting space. It's kind of amazing. I was in Texas, as I mentioned, this week on on Friday. So you said IMA? Yes, Institute of Management Accountants. Got it. And their Texas chapters all get together every year. And it's Texas. So, of course, they're the ones getting together first as this pandemic winds down because it's Texas. So they invited me out there to speak. And I gave a presentation on technology trends in accounting which I've done for years now, and it has become sort of my stock presentation. And then I update it with all the stuff that we talk about on the show. So uh, it's a lot of fun because I get to go back to all of our previous episodes and I look for the most important stories across the last hundred episodes. So it was a challenge. It was a lot of fun to condense that down to a single hour. I got to sit down with IMA president, Jeff Thompson, and he has a really interesting background. I did an interview with him that's going to be on my new podcast, the Earmark podcast, that will go with the Earmark CPE app, a mobile app, a podcast player that will give CPE for listening to podcasts. So I could listen to the Cloud Accounting podcast on there and get my CPE credit. Or you could just continue to listen on, what's your favorite podcast app? I use Pocket, Pocket Cast. You could listen on Pocket Cast. Then when you're done, you go over to the Earmark app, you find the episode and you take the quiz and you get your CPE. That's the idea. So did an interview with Jeff. That's going to be Jeff Thompson, IMA president. Really good interview. We talked about the little kerfuffle that IMA and ASCPA had. And still, they have this disagreement about the CPA evolution project and the curriculum. Apparently, the ASCPA is stripping out some management accounting from the curriculum to make room for this tech stuff. And IMA thinks that's a terrible idea because... 75% of accountants end up after a few years in public going into industry. So why would we take management accounting out of the curriculum? Talked about that, many other things, the value of the certified management accountant designation. So I'm going to actually, David, do you mind if I drop a a segment of that, a a little excerpt from that into our show? Yeah. You want to drop it as a bonus episode on the end of this one? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so if you're listening to this episode, well, you are listening to this episode, stay tuned. And then also remember, go subscribe to Earmark. Search for Earmark Accounting Podcast in your podcast player, and then you'll get future episodes uh, on that feed. And those episodes are going to be CPE enabled. So 
uh, yeah, that was that was Texas. That was my Friday, and it was a lot of fun. Really great folks over there at IMA. Really neat what they're doing, bringing the profession forward. Really advocating for the future of accounting, as opposed to just trying to hold on <laughs> to what we've got, which doesn't really seem to be working all that well. So I found a reason to get your CPA. What is that reason? The reason is you might have a political position that may require it. And if you don't pass your CPA test, you might have to resign. What political positions require the CPA? So the state auditor in Maine had to step down because he failed his accounting exams. <laughs> Wait, so he, he got the position of state auditor. Yeah, and, and you have nine months to pass your CPA. So it's a requirement of the position that you're a CPA to be the state auditor. That's correct. And he had never actually taken the CPA exams or something? That's correct. So he passed one of the tests, failed the other two by a margin of five questions, but now he can't take it for another 60 days, which puts him past the 90-day limit. <laughs> so now he had to uh, resign and the jobs can be taken over by a uh, deputy state auditor, Melissa Perkins, while they find a replacement. Now what's interesting, he, he's a political guy. He spent 14 years as main secretary of state. But then he hit the limit. Like you weren't allowed to be in that position. Oh, so he needed a new job. He needed a new po po politics job. So then he he decided, hey, I'm going to go be the auditor. So he was not an accountant first or anything. He he, was, he decided to become the auditor. Then hurry up and go get a CPA. Did you mention his name? Matthew Dunlap. So he he took the CPA exam, but he didn't pass all the parts in one go. How how could he even do it in 90 days? I'm like confused. Was this a CPA exam? Yes. So maybe okay. he has an accounting degree. Maybe he already had his 150 credit hours. I don't know. <laughs> but he... Yeah. He never know. took the exam. That's he really He plans funny. to retake them. Yeah. But talk about like last minute, right? <laughs> well, hey, you know, if you're if you're struggling passing the exam, you're not the only one. So, and, and <laughs> that's a pretty terrible outcome, lose your job because you don't pass it. So that is a good reason to become a CPA because a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but some positions require it. And... Well, I was just talking with uh, somebody over at the uh, IMA conference who's a CMA and a controller, and she wants to be a CFO, so she's going to go get her CPA because a lot of CFO positions advertise that you need to be a CPA to do it still, which is- like That's the minimum requirement. It's, it's like one of the listed requirements in the job description. So if you're not one, then it's something you got to overcome, and she just doesn't want to have to deal with that. So she's going to be both. And then we were talking also about like salaries. Obviously, the CPA increases your earning potential big time over your lifetime. And the CMA does as well. And then if you have both, it's like the most. So if you really want to increase your earning potential, you go do both. And you know, correlation is not causation, but hey, it doesn't, it's not gonna hurt. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Dext. Providing your clients with timely and accurate insights may be your most important jobs as a trusted advisor. For most, giving insights is easy, but giving both timely and accurate insights is much more challenging. This is where the one, two, and now third punch of Dext comes in. Dext Prepare will help you be timely. Dext Prepare will quickly capture all the receipts, bills, and statements to easily and automatically enter the data directly into the accounting system of your choice. 
Dex Precision will help you be accurate. By finding anomalies and cleaning the data in the accounting system, Dex Precision also tracks your client's data health and performance metrics and provides powerful custom reports, including pivot tables. Dex Commerce will help you be both. On the expense side, it can fetch additional details from many transactions, including adding any missing data to existing transactions. And on the sales side, it can automatically import transactions from some of the most popular e-commerce shopping carts. To learn how your firm can save an average of 5.5 hours per client each month, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash dext. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash D-E-X-T. So maybe we can talk about uh, staffing a little bit. And before we jump into, I know uh, KPMG announced 40,000 people can work anywhere. I saw, go- I saw um, PwC announced Or this. PwC, sorry about it. What did I just say? Well, KPMG... Oh, no, I meant to say PwC. So. PwC. So, well, PwC said that all of their staff can now permanently work from home. So, that's the staffing thing you want to talk about, remote work. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other side, so a ski resort in Vermont is struggling to hire. And so, what they're doing is they're training their accounting and marketing staff to fit ski boots. <laughs> <clears throat> so, this this winter, when... They're in full capacity. Yeah. People that are the accountants and bookkeepers at the ski resort are going to have to go out and put ski boots on in the rental shop. Then they may have to go to the cafeteria and scoop soup or make sandwiches or run the cash register. You know, now that I'm a freelancer, maybe I should just go try to get a, a, a part-time job at one of these ski resorts for the for the winter. I love skiing. I never get to go. <laughs> it could be the, the route to go. You, 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 I could you be their accountant, a bookkeeper slash um, ski boot fitter. And so this is the uh, president of the Vermont Ski Area Association that's that's saying this. But uh, she went out of her way to say accounting <laughs> like three times. They're on the hook. That's busy season for accountants at a ski resort. Is they're going to put you into service fitting ski boots? Well, so then we could yeah, let's jump over to you know working anywhere at any time. PwC. Yep. They have forty thousand U.S. client services employees. They are all going to get to work virtually and live anywhere they want in perpetuity making it one of the biggest employers to embrace permanent remote work. It does have uh, some terms and conditions the catch, that are not right? in the, the headline. Catch. The catch, yes. So the catch is PwC employees who choose to work virtually would have to come into the office a maximum of three days per month for in-person appointments such as critical team meetings, client visits, and learning sessions. So three days a week in the office. That's not totally <laughs> remote work, although I guess you could live anywhere and as long as you're willing to fly up to three days per month, then you're good. But so, so this is really, it's just a, it's more of a hybrid work setup and it's just very low on the in-office stuff. Now here's yeah, something the, funny. Go ahead. I was saying the, the big catch is if you choose to work in Fort Dodge, Iowa, they're going to pay you the wages of Fort Dodge, Iowa. Right. They're going to pay lower wages for cheaper areas, which some other employers have said they're going to do that, even in the tech world, like Facebook. Facebook, Twitter, Google. Yeah. Right. Um, now, other companies like Zillow, who's always been location agnostic, doesn't. I think Zapier's the same way. They don't do mm-hmm. that as well. But if you think about it, like for companies, you're not paying for the building. Hopefully, you're paying for smaller real estate. You're right, not right. having to buy dinners. Right. right? The, I, if, there's no way as an employee I would accept this. It's almost well, the other way around. Like if I move from Tucson to a bigger city, I'm going to want 30% more. It's the other way around. <laughs> There's going to be pressure on this because, yeah, people aren't going to take it. And so I think they'll still 
pay slightly lower wages if you're in a cheaper area. Or another way to think about it is they'll just pay you more if you live in an expensive area, but they're not going to be able to have dramatic differences. Maybe somebody would accept 10% less because they know they're still getting a way better deal living in Phoenix versus Los Angeles like me, right? But if it was a lot, then I would just go find another job. We'll see what the market forces do in this situation. Yeah, because I think people are going to have to start getting creative with their compensation now that before the firms, a lot of our listeners are a little more progressive, were already letting their employees work from home. And that was right, their, right. Yeah. their hiring shtick. Hey, we'll let you work wherever you want, work remotely. But now everybody works remotely. So you can't really use that as a recruiting tool. Maybe that'll be the next level. Like, hey, we'll let you live anywhere and we're not going to dock your pay. One thing that's funny about this story is that the partners actually get a, a raw deal out of this because PwC is saying that if you're a partner and your employees working under you choose to work in the office, that you can't work remotely. So the employees have the choice and the employee choice determines whether the partners have the choice. And that never happens. So I'm, I'm amazed. That the partner doesn't get to dictate. Yeah. Although, you know, hey, the partners are making like half a million to a million or more a year. So like, I guess who, who cares? They can afford to live close to the office. Yeah. And I wonder how much of this is just because of big four culture. How much of this is just a press release and talk? And then there's probably like the, hey, you, you, you don't clock out before 5 p.m. There's just these, these rules that aren't really written and mm. you really actually have to go in the office still. The expectation will still be there. Culturally, right? What is going to happen? Like, if you want to move up in PwC, are you going to need to actually be in the office? And is it going to be a two class system where you have people remote who don't become partner? Will any of these people who choose to work remotely ever make partner? Probably not. It would be much harder. But then again, aren't a lot of these people already working like on location in different cities with clients they're consulting with or doing auditing work with, anyways? Well, yeah. And that's the big joke about it is that like most of these firms, they're already remote because your staff are all at audits at the client site. They're con- traveling around consulting. Living like, in hotel rooms. right? Yeah, living in hotels. So that's why when, when the pandemic hit, all the firms that had auditing teams that traveled around were fine. Anything else on the remote work front? I actually have a bunch of stories from the past that I've been saving. Uh, one, that, one that's funny. Here's, here's a funny one. The headline is funny. This is accounting today. The headline is work-life balance improves audits, but not job satisfaction. So here's the study. It's published by the American Accounting Association. It found that work-life balance is associated with higher quality audits, though job satisfaction is not. Quote, the conventional wisdom is that job satisfaction and work-life balance are tied to the quality of our work, but nobody had actually tested this for auditors. So just to (laughs) better understand this, Uh if I have work-life balance... I'm a better auditor? Think about it. Like work-life balance, less pressure, less time pressure, right? Because you're not commuting. So you can use that time to work. And that's what most people do. Studies show that people who work remotely work an extra day per week. So it's not my mindset. I'm just putting in that much more time auditing. Yeah. And the more time you audit, right? The the higher quality your audit. You're not skipping steps. You're not missing items on the checklist. You're not cutting but corners. I would say that's not work-life balance. That's that's just more hours working. Um, it's true. Yeah, I, I would have to look at the story or the study. I don't I don't know the details behind it, but and it's funny too because the the picture 
that they chose for the story. It's a a woman of child-rearing age holding a one-year-old on her lap while participating in a conference call, which is just such a stereotypical bad image. I know that. I've tried to use that. (laughs) As our, it never really fits. I tried to use it a couple of times as our background for our thing. I I, I know that stock image. Yeah, I've right. Seen it and plenty it's, of times. It's just a um, total total misunderstanding of how remote work works. Nobody ever does that. I mean, unless it's an emergency. Anyway. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Rippling. Rippling is more than payroll. And now that most employees are working remotely, your clients need more than just payroll. They need payroll, HR, benefits, and IT all working together in an all-in-one modern, flexible system. By using Rippling, when you add a new employee to payroll, you're simultaneously enrolling them in benefits, instantly setting up their email, and even sending them a computer preloaded with all the software and apps they need to do their job. Imagine how impressed your clients will be when this only takes 90 seconds. Right now, I'm sure most of you are doing just payroll, but with Rippling, you'll be able to expand the advisory work that you're offering your clients. Rippling offers a client dashboard, dedicated accountant support, and white glove migrations from other just payroll systems, as well as accountants' custom discounts on Rippling for their clients. To learn more how you can evolve your client advisory services beyond bookkeeping and just payroll, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Rippling. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-I-P-P-L-I-N-G. And as a bonus, for the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, Rippling is offering a $100 Amazon gift card for any listener that attends a demo. Rippling, everything your clients need. One other remote work story that's funny. A lot of companies are starting to go back to the office or they already have or they never left. So for the ones that went fully remote and embraced Zoom, now going back to the office, there's a problem, which is that people are going back to the office, but then all their meetings are still happening on Zoom because you have people that are still at home. It's a hybrid situation and you can't, you you have to still use Zoom, right? So now people are frustrated because they're sitting at their desk or in some conference room by themselves on a Zoom call. Even if there are three other people on the team that are in the office, you can't be together because you don't have the Zoom room set up. So what's the point? So this was in the Washington Post. Nick Near was excited to go back to the office. After working from home for about a year and a half, Near had missed the camaraderie he had with his coworkers at the Ohio-based University Library System, where he works as a communications coordinator. He was counting down until he could mingle with students and staff again. But his excitement quickly faded after the reality of in-person work turned out to be far from what he expected. Instead, to avoid contracting the Delta variant, he ended up in a locked, windowless cinder block room, his temporary office, attending most of his meetings via Zoom. So worse than being at home, because he's in this soulless office instead of at his house. And this was an issue pre-pandemic. I mean, when I was still at Intuit, I mean, this was my arguments of why it was okay for me to work remotely. Because I you know I'd travel to the mothership, right? You go to the Intuit campus, it's what, 20 buildings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes 15 minutes to walk building the building. And so people will just dial in. And so I travel up to the Bay Area, big hubbub, sit down, and half the people in the meeting are calling in from their desk two buildings away. Yeah. And right. so it was always my argument. I'm like, I must well just be at home. It's the same experience. That's why when I saw the story about Apple having issues with its employees, 
not wanting to go back to the office. Like Apple, Apple's in a, a funny situation because it just spent, I don't know how many billions of dollars building that mothership. And it yes. literally looks like a mothership up in Silicon Valley. Where it's, circle there. It's, yeah. it's a ring, right? It's like they built their version of the Pentagon, a, a giant ring with this beautiful garden on, on the inside. It's all glass, right? No, oh. it's, it's amazing. It's like five floors or whatever. Anyway, they're having issues because they're trying to get their employees to come back to work. The employees don't want to. And I'm thinking, why would you want to? That building is so big. You're actually not going to like bump into people. You're going to end up in a conference room on one side of it talking to a com- somebody in a conference room on the other side of it on a Zoom. And that's what makes this whole uh, argument of you need to rub shoulders with people and bump into them in the hallway is kind of stupid. Because in big companies, that just doesn't happen, right? Like the teams are so distributed anyway that the only people who are doing that are the execs, right? Of course, they're the ones making that argument that they need to bump into people. So it's really just for their convenience, right? It's their preference to have people in the office, but it's such a hassle for everybody else. Um yeah, I don't think this is solved yet. I think I saw something from Microsoft. They're actually kind of leaning towards they want people in that. They've done some studies of their own employees now. <laughs> and they're saying that like, innovation is just down. Yeah. I, I, you know what I like? I like PwC's solution to this way better. The three days a month maximum. You know, I think about it like the, the Army Reserves. What is it? A weekend a month, two weeks a year? Oh, it makes sense. They've successfully built camaraderie. You can, if you can have military units that function well enough to theoretically perform if they are called upon. Why, why can't you do that with a business? Just require, make that upfront in your hiring policy. You're going to do one weekend a month, uh, and, and not actually on the weekend, but like a couple days, right? Three days. And then uh, two weeks a year, or maybe a week a year, and you have that offsite. That's an interesting model that exists. Just copy it. I got a bunch of other like remote work stuff, but we need to move on because we yeah. got a bunch of app news to so talk about. So I talked about right? accounting today. Accounting Today has officially opened up their nominations for the 2021 edition of its top 100 most influential people in accounting list. All right. Nominations are are accepted until October 15th, 2021. If you think that you know somebody that is uh, wielding influence over the profession, maybe two podcasters, it would be great (laughs) if you went and nominated those podcasters. That would be amazing. So we don't have to nominate ourselves, David? That would be really great. So yeah, uh, where can they? Where do they go to nominate people? You're and of course, email, you know, other people too, right? Other yeah, you can nominate anybody you want. You can nominate yourself. Um, you send an email to danielle.lee at A-R-I-Z-E-N-T dot com. That's the company that owns accounting today, Azariant. Azariant. Yeah. Um, you're asked to include a brief description of the candidate's influence on the accounting professioner, profession. And if possible, contact information, including email address for the candidate. We'll put that in the show notes so that you can uh, nominate yourself, us, somebody else. It's the same people on the list every year. And I guess that's in my interest because we're on the list. Because <laughs> we but... finally made the list. So, <laughs> yeah, right. We finally made the list. But uh, okay, moving on. Moving on to other top stories. We've got App News, QuickBooks Updates, Avalara acquiring Track 1099. Sage is cutting jobs in the U.S. Lightspeed is accused of some accounting scandal. Lightspeed point of sale. Point of sale. Intuit had their investor day. And usually that is in person, like in New York City, right? And all the investors come and the VPs are all there. But, But they had to record it this year. And so it's kind of available for everybody. So, we so can I just go watch it. Morning, and I watched all of it this morning, all of these. Really simple URL. I think it's intuit.com slash strategy. 
If you're involved, anything to do with this industry, with accountants, bookkeepers, your third-party app, everything into it's doing will impact you in the next 24 months. You probably should sit down with your team and reassess your strategy. That's how big this is. So first, when you watch this, though, you have to get over the fact every single person here is the VP, and then they talk about how great their title is, and I'm the blah, 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 blah. But they do show a lot of demos and product demos, and they really show a lot of how these different products are starting to connect together and what products are coming down the pipeline. Did you have a favorite? I think the favorite I saw of anything is it's going to be for QuickBooks Online Advanced. They are going to have a Excel. So you can... Oh, Excel integration. Excel yes. integration. So you can set up formulas in Excel. It pulls data from QuickBooks um, and vice versa. Yeah, this was my top tech story. This is into its acquisition of Data Deer. Data Deer, like Deer Abbey. Data Deer. It's a app that has for years been independent and would connect a Google Sheet or an Excel Sheet to your accounting system. So Zero, that's how I used it, but also QuickBooks Online. And well, like, what is the, what is the use case for this? The idea is that you could actually edit your data in a spreadsheet rather than having to do it in the, in the accounting system, which you could do a lot faster, right? Like that's the, the idea. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of accountants do this, right? They'll take a report from QuickBooks, export it to Excel, make some changes there, and then pay some to data entry it back. Right. right or if you right, really yeah. can be, you build like a, a Zapier zap and it, and it goes in, edits those transactions and pushes it back in. This is really that full end-to-end trip. I didn't realize, I don't remember Intuit buying Data Deer. This was just announced five days ago. So so what's what's really exciting about this is you've got your QuickBooks data or your Zero data. Well, we'll see how long the Zero integration lasts, right? But you've got your QuickBooks data and it, there's an Excel toolbar that connects your QuickBooks data into a spreadsheet. And then you can refresh, push data directly from Excel. So you could like populate a spreadsheet and then program DataDeer to push that into QuickBooks as, I don't know, invoices, bills, journal entries, whatever, right? Any transaction that you can edit via the API, you could push into QuickBooks. And, and you can get data too. And one use case for this is pulling the data into Excel so that you can build your own dashboards and reports, custom However, consolidated you want. reporting, consolidated reporting on a group of companies, um, multi-organization collaboration. You can give access to some data from your GL without giving them access to the GL itself. Or think Pretty, about like uh, intercompany nifty. transfers, right? Or you know, uh-huh. one company's doing business with the other. You can actually do that once and have it post probably two, twice, right? To two companies. There's probably different ways to really be oh, yeah, super yeah. efficient with We're, this if you start thinking about it. Where this gets really interesting is as Excel adds features similar to an Airtable, like some no-code type tools, that's where this gets really, really interesting. And that's what they're working on. Excel is actively building that kind of functionality into Excel right now because Airtable has has kind of threatened their dominance. Let's give an example of, of what you're talking about. Like what does Airtable do that Excel doesn't? So Airtable is really like more like a database because everybody does this, right? Where you you kind of use Excel like a database. Even though it's not, and that's why it breaks, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. you can, A, set up a true relational database. So when you fix some data over here, it's, you know, populates through your entire database. Mm. There's no, no, it's not really formulas because it's a relational database, formulas that are going to break. But then you can 
plug it into a bunch of things and you can create filters and views and a lot of things you can't really do. Like you have a table view and you have a table view. You could filter it, right? But that's it. In Excel. Yeah. Correct. But you can't really have multiple views. I guess you could, right? You could take the same data and pull it through to different tabs. And then, but then you can't edit it on those tabs. Yeah. So so there's it's, yeah. You just don't have the freedom. And so because it's a relational database, but it feels like a spreadsheet. And so it feels very natural. So if Excel adds more functionality like that, and then you combine it with a tool like this, and it, it's constantly talking to QuickBooks or Zero. Um, now, what'll be interesting is does Data Deer still talk to Zero? They could shut that off, right? So now here's the prediction, right? Zero is going to go out and buy whatever competitor there is to Data Deer. That's possible. Now, now if, if it was me and I was counter bookkeeper, I imagine I would probably be hammering into it not to turn off a Zero connection because. I mean, it could be in QuickBooks' best interest. If I'm using QuickBooks Online Accountant to manage all my clients, I might have some clients in zero, um, but maybe I'm using Intuit Tax software. It is an easy way for me to get data out of zero. Right, yeah. Well, we have clients on multiple platforms, right? Yeah. And it's just not realistic, even if we want to, to, to have every client on the same software. I mean, you can, but it's most people, most firm owners don't want to do that. So, yes, please. If you're listening into it, please don't turn off the zero connection. I love you both. Yeah, this uh, is interesting because the uh, the announcement of this, uh, the acquisition, really wasn't out there or didn't get picked up by any of the news media. I didn't know it until I well, came because it's you know today. it's spreadsheets, David. This is not sexy. This is exciting to you and me, but the general public is like, uh, well, I can link Excel. But it hits to all my, my keywords, QuickBooks. right? QuickBooks, <laughs> data, Excel, and it just didn't uh, come through. Well, hey, speaking of QuickBooks. Oh, and by the way, this is going to be a feature of QuickBooks Online Advanced only. So get ready to pay for the premium subscription. But they are adding a lot of value for that premium subscription. So speaking of QuickBooks, we got some listener mail about Quicken, David, your favorite app. Well, I don't know if it's your favorite, but you like to talk about it. Well, it's a good email because I, I, I read it and I was like, I used to have an Excel file that, or I'm sorry, a Quicken file that I kept from high school as well. So go ahead. You want to read his letter? Yeah. So this is from Stephen Smith, CPA. His URL is quickencoach.com. So he's very invested in Quicken and he specializes in it. He says, Dear Blake and David, your news and app highlights are the most appreciated. Great job. Since high school, I've kept a Quicken file and for the past decade, my practice niche has been helping fellow Quicken users optimize the program. I also provide personal record keeping services on the Quicken platform. I clinched my first client when they asked me if I knew Quicken, not QuickBooks, and I answered, Quicken is the closest thing I have to a hobby. However, personal financial tracking shouldn't be just a hobby. It should be a habit for anyone and everyone looking to accumulate wealth. Just as we accountants preach that businesses need good accounting infrastructure to be successful, so do households, and I hope your listeners tell their clients to mind their personal books also. Yes, it takes an effort. We should not be deterred. I can relate that poor and broken bank feeds are frustrating, yet anecdotally, I have the same problems with QBO feeds, fetching services, and competitive Quicken apps. In my opinion, this industry-wide weakness is the result of antiquated banking technology clinging to their data, and I look forward to the day when new banks and cash apps are viable competitors that hopefully provide better access to data. Finally, I've been delighted by recent Quicken improvements, and as someone who extensively explores competitive products I believe Quicken's functionality is still years ahead of most apps and financial websites. And I think the reason it just works so well is because it's been around a long time and it has Direct Connect, which is this proprietary bank feed system that almost all banks support. 
I don't understand why, why we can't use that direct connect for other stuff. Like they should open that up. Because the banks, the banks charge for that. They charge and, you like 10, 20 bucks a month, huh? Yeah. I think they, they charge you for that fee. I as well started discovered Quicken in high school and was using it. And then Intuit acquired Mint. And I probably used both side by side for two years. And then what really pushed me over the edge was getting a mobile device. Because the Quicken mobile app, you couldn't, you wanted your balances with you. Right? And yeah, it finally yeah. just pushed me over the edge. And then I was, so we got to the point, I was like, why do I have this? Yes, in theory, everybody should be doing personal finances. I get it. But in general, it's a hobby. And there's an irrational attachment to data. Like, do I really need to know, need to know how much I spent on coffee my junior year of college? No. But it was just, it, it was irrational yeah, yeah. to keep track yeah. of that level of data. And that's why it truly is a hobby. It truly, truly is a hobby. And personal finance, and this is why Quicken never grew. It grew to a point. Once you get the 12 million people in the United States that are going to track personal finances, that's it. You can't grow this market. But what he's saying, what Scott is saying there is that it's a it's a hobby, but it shouldn't be because we should all be tracking our personal finances so that we can save money, save for retirement, invest. Right? If, if you don't track your spending, that's you, you, you can't have money left over to invest at the end of the month. And that's where, you know, may, and the reality is, is people aren't going to do it. It's a hobby. But that's where if you go watch these videos from Intuit, it's very clear. Intuit is going to do this stuff for you automatically. They're going to try. They're going to drive you to Credit Karma's yeah. bank. Credit Karma's bank's going to get your paycheck data instantly two days early so you get paid. It's going to, hey, you need a loan. You're short on cash. Let's get you a loan at this rate. It's all just going to happen. So you, there, you won't be, you won't actually do your personal finances. It's just going to be done by a bot in a way. Or marketing algorithms probably is more of the way, better way to think about that. <laughs> and then they're going to sell you stuff that takes your money so that you don't have any money left to save. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be good because for folks who aren't doing anything, something is better than nothing. Because a lot of people get TurboTax. They don't have bank accounts. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Right? So then when they want yeah. the refund, they, they don't have a bank account to even deposit it to. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Dark Horse CPAs. Creating a CPA firm from scratch is hard. Scaling it is even harder, and doing it alone sucks. Instead of struggling to build the clientele from scratch, why not join a firm that guarantees you'll build a six-figure book in less than six months and will pay you a six-figure salary while you're building? Instead of running your own firm, why not join a firm that's built everything you know your practice needs to serve your clients better and scale your book of business? Dark Horse CPAs is democratizing the best resources hoarded by the most successful firms so that practitioners can compete with the best, provide more value to clients, and make a better living in the process. If you want to learn more or to watch a video about improving your accounting career with Dark Horse, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash darkhorse. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash D-A-R-K-H-O-R-S-E. Avalara has acquired Track 1099 to help businesses manage IRS form filing requirements. That's the title of the press release by Avalara, the sales tax, use tax, everything salt automation company that has just become massive, growing out of Bainbridge Island near Seattle over the last 
decade. So they have acquired this company called Track 1099, which I have used myself for years and I love. They have a zero integration. You also don't need to use zero. You can use anything and and send 1099s. And what I loved about it was for the 1099 reporting, which is uh, for our international listeners, the informational reporting you have to do on payments to contractors and lawyers, service businesses, all that, you can send them electronically. You don't have to mail them the forms. You can email them the forms securely, and then you can send the report to the IRS electronically. And it'll it'll pull that data from your accounting system, and then you can send it all out. It's, 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 and a lot of this, I mean, there's a couple of those 1099 apps that add on to QuickBooks, right? So yeah, you yeah. cross your 1099s, people sign up for them in January, you get off of them after that, and you pay like per 1099 you send. And this makes a lot of sense because Avalar is trying to be the any task, any compliance you need, they want to be the person for that. But now this is making me wonder like, okay, well, what's next, payroll? <laughs> well, you know, they, does, does yeah. Avalara buy maybe one of these new payroll API companies like Check? Do they actually just buy a, a payroll company and start providing payroll? Because payroll is essentially compliance, right? It's just a big compliance game. Well, that's what people think though, but really payroll is about HR. And that's the bet that Gusto has made with all their investments in the HR platform. People who m- don't understand it, like, I got to say David Barrett at Expensify, who's talked about how he's creating payroll and payroll is just an expense report. No, sorry. Payroll is HR. <laughs> it's human resources. It's it's all the benefits. That's what payroll is. And all the the compliance that happens. Yeah, that's what you see, the W-2s and the paychecks and the pay stubs and the direct deposits. But like, that's not, that's that's a relatively- So then for Avalara, it would make sense for them to just get into the payroll calculations game, the API game, not- an actual payroll front-end product where they're having to support customers and employees. They should just support and, developers and APIs. And that's where Avalar has made all its money is as an API for sales tax. Yep. Right. They have the database. They maintain all the different rates and calculations and products that get taxed at the thousands and thousands of local jurisdiction level. And they calculate instantly when you're when you're an e-commerce shopping cart and they figure all that stuff out. I yeah. think they have blades in Amazon servers, right? Like yeah, so 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 that would be actually make a lot of sense if they got into the payroll API game, like you're talking about, like bot check actually, but not actually running payroll themselves. Now, what was that company that we were talking about the other day that like calculates payroll? Oh, it's the one that Gusto bought, right? Yeah, Gusto bought that, uh, a payroll calculation engine. Uh, Paycheck City is one of their sub brands. Oh no, Paycheck City is it, I think. Oh, is it? So it's crazy because we learned, and I had no idea that tens of millions of people. Their payroll calculations are done by this little company here in Scottsdale, like with 30 people that work for it. And all they do is maintain the database and the calculation engine <laughs> for payroll taxes. You, you just don't know these things. They're they're behind the scenes. Very valuable businesses too, I imagine. Okay, so so that's it for uh, Avalara. What else you got? Do you see Zero had an outage? Oh yeah. Um, actually, my client was impacted by it. Called me up and said, "Hey Blake, what's what's the deal with Zero?" And I had to go to status.zero.com and sadly inform her that she would have to wait to do her invoicing. It was out for a while, right? Like a day? It was out for seven or eight hours, obviously the last day of the month. Very critical. turns out it was some root certificate thing. They're working on it. But we always talk about how these companies put their heads in the sands. They don't respond properly to outages and communicate properly. And I didn't really go down the path of all the other things, but they did have this amazing tweet conversation. So if you have your kids in the room, We'll pause for a second, have them leave the room. I'm going to cuss <laughs> twice or cover their ears. Cover their ears right now. So this was a Twitter user. I don't know who he is. His name is Michael, M-T-O-B-I-1824. 
very simple tweet. He said, zero fix your shit. Zero responded. Our shit fixing team is on this with urgency. <laughs> Thanks for your patience. I, that's beautiful. I was just like, I love that. Finally, finally. Uh, our like, shit fixing team. Like, like acknowledging these problems and not just yeah. running from them. And then if you put a little humor in it too, you know, yeah, that's yeah, probably I like a that. good way. It's just a good model. Those of you app developers listening, you platforms, it just communicates. It's simple. Yeah. Like that little tweet made everybody smile, took a lot of pressure off of everybody. It's, it's the way to do it. And I will reiterate my opinion about these outages. It is not a reason to stick with desktop. Outages happen, but they are a cost that is worth it. And we should take these as snow days. These are digital snow days. Take the day off. And also uh, don't have a system that is critical to your business that doesn't have a backup. So invoicing is a great example or charging customers. If, if you're charging through, I don't know, say Zero's invoicing for some reason, like have a backup way to do it where you can go directly into Stripe or whatever so that you can bill your clients and then catch up later. The same way if you have a store, you have a backup credit card processor. You know, you have a, <laughs> right? You should those anyway. machines, the knuckle busters, right? I, I don't know yeah. if people still have that stuff. Oh, I, I actually- a lot, My experience yeah. has been this. You get somewhere and their point of sale or things are down, they're like, There's, we only take cash right now. We're just cash today. No, those um, those those things that it's like the three pieces of paper and they they go chunk. Oh yeah, it work because the your credit card numbers aren't raised anymore on the credit card, right? It's all yeah, and, and I think actually the card companies have banned that. You can't do that anymore. Like the last time I saw that, I was in the Bahamas, and it was like two thousand and I want to say two thousand and nine, maybe, and they had one because they didn't have internet on the boat. That's when you, if you're near your limit, you really can run it up. Really, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Drinks. Keep going. <laughs> let's chart. Let's charter this boat, baby. <laughs> uh, just keep running it up. So oh, we're talking about QuickBooks. So let's go back to the updates. There's some other updates for QuickBooks. They've enhanced the chart of accounts experience to make it less likely that your clients will screw up adding accounts. We don't want them to add accounts. Like, like, we you just got rid of the button that said "Add Account." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't really tell what's different because they change it all the time. Search enhancements for QuickBooks desktop migrators. So apparently, if you migrated from desktop to online, you had a different search experience than if you started with QuickBooks Online. I find that crazy. Apparently, now you can find the that you can get the new search if you migrated. Interesting. There's a new multi-co reporting tab in QuickBooks Online Advanced that makes it easier to get access to company reports in Fathom. So if you're managing multiple companies in QuickBooks Online Advanced, Fathom lets you compare and consolidate data from those companies into one report. This new multi-co reporting tab provides quick access to your multi-company reports. So that's another one of those things you only get in Online Advanced. But geez, if you're paying for multiple companies in QuickBooks Online Advanced, that could get really pricey really fast. <laughs> there should be some sort of, is there a multi-entity discount? Because like, imagine if you had like five entities in QuickBooks Online Advanced, the, the price of that is like insane, right? I was thinking about this. I listened to our last episode. And we were talking about the whole value pricing model, or not value pricing, yeah. the uh, subscription models. And you were talking about how you can't just take an existing old product, the way QuickBooks that it has with desktop, and just turn it into a subscription model. It just doesn't work. And then we start talking about the whole Adobe suite, how you get 10 apps, or even yep. Microsoft's this. I pay 10 bucks a month for Microsoft 365, or Office, whatever they're, whatever they're calling it this week. Um, and I get Word and Excel, and I get everything. Some things I don't use. I don't use Microsoft Access. I have access to it, but I don't use it. And you just get access to all those tools. And I'm really thinking about this a lot. Even as a business owner, 
I would probably pay, like right now I'm not paying, I'm not paying into it $300 a month, right? But I might be willing to pay into it $300 a month if I had access to everything. Everything, I could yeah. get MailChimp, yeah. I could get all these products they have. It might be worth that. And that includes even maybe a TurboTax subscription too. I might be down for it in an all-you-can-eat into it plan. Well, they're kind of doing it with QuickBooks Online Advance, but you're saying they should go beyond QuickBooks and offer all of their Intuit products that are in that system. Yeah, because basically you might as well just have the other one be called QuickBooks Shitty or QuickBooks Less, <laughs> right? No, like seriously, like that's what you're doing yeah. when you have a premium offering. Yeah. You're kind of telling people like, yeah, that's not really the good one. And you're putting all the features in the other one. And the best route would be like, here, here's what it is for everybody. This is the price. I love it. And then, you know, now that's going to eliminate marketing positions at Intuit. And it's going to eliminate a lot of create, like all this upsells and, and the, you know, the constant in product marketing to get you to upgrade and paths and confusion in the market. And does my client, my client needs one little feature that's over here. It gets rid of all that. We all get a better experience and Intuit probably gets way more revenue over the long run. Now, Adobe, they do have individual subscriptions for apps. So you can, for instance, subscribe to just photography for 10 bucks a month or just Premiere Pro for 21 a month or Illustrator for 21 a month. But they really get you because the all apps bundle is $53 a month for 20 different, 20 plus apps. So it's obviously a really good value. And most people do that because it's just easier. And then you're capturing 30 extra bucks a month from people that we're not going to spend 30 bucks extra a month. Yes. And then for the teams, for businesses, they they give you all the apps for 80 bucks a month per license. And then you get all the collaboration features that you are willing to pay extra per license for. And like, why do I want eight different subscriptions with Intuit? Terrible experience to manage all that. It'd be better for Intuit. Intuit would make way more money doing this. I, because I like just thought said, about it a lot. I was walking the dog yeah, and I was yeah. like, because like, I may want to try to use MailChimp now. I'm like, oh, that's another subscription. Like, why isn't it just part yeah. of my thing? Like, it should all just roll up into one big subscription. We need to lobby them. Especially if you're going to, if, if, if your argument is this, which is this argument, everybody wants one app to do it all. We're going to, you don't want to have to leave QuickBooks. You're doing it all here. The billing should be that way. One yeah. price. Give me it mm-hmm. all. All I mm-hmm. can eat buffet. 100%. They call it QuickBooks Super Buffet. <laughs> we could work on the name. We could work yeah. on the name, but we agree in principle. Yes. Okay, a few more updates for QuickBooks, and then actually we got to run. We we got um, Sage news though. We can't we can't miss the okay. Sage. Uh, All right, we'll get Sage to the news. Sage. Sage news is big, so you can also now add attachments to tasks in QuickBooks Online Advanced, and you uh, now have auto payroll. And QuickBooks payroll has auto payroll, so it automatically can run, and you can support multiple pay schedules now for auto payroll. So all those salaried employees, where it's just always going to be the same, you don't want to forget auto payroll. Anything else here that's important? Paycheck corrections. You'll be able to actually edit paychecks right in QuickBooks without having to call customer care. Oh my God, that's a big one. And they buried that at the end. Hallelujah for accountants. Edit paychecks without calling into support. Okay, over to Sage. So Sage announced that they had a reorg. So on the last day of their fiscal year, I guess this would be the 30th right, of September, they announced they're going to have a reorg. They eliminated 800 positions. Globally. Globally. Um, 250 in the US, 200 in the UK, and 370 internationally. Sage has about 13,000 employees, so this reduction would be about 6%. And my understanding Mm -hmm. is a lot of these were in product marketing and kind of the growth channels. So they're trying to streamline how they're positioning the products and selling them up and down the marketing stack. 
Well, this is relates exactly to what we were just talking about, where Sage's model is buy a bunch of stuff, slap the Sage brand on it, and it kind of all just has its own team selling it. In a way, like you're probably even competing with each other. Maybe. And the future is not that. The future is all in Sage Intact. Everything is Sage Intact. That's that's where they're going eventually. So yeah, if I was at Sage and I wasn't working on the cloud products, I'd be a little nervous. And then um, we could loosely touch on this, maybe more. Maybe there'll be more on this next week, but Lightspeed Commerce, so Lightspeed Point of Sale. That you mentioned there's a fraud. There's a fraud. So as you, they purchased Shopkeep Point of Sale and they purchased another Point of Sale earlier in the year. I forgot which one that was. Basically, there's a big class action, not a class action. There's a, a lawyer actually suing them now. Um, there's a big short seller who wrote up a big 125-page long article talking about how they've overstated their total addressable market. Their numbers are too good to be true. They're overpaying for poor quality businesses. So some of their acquisitions maybe are not good. They're arguing that all their board members have no track record on actual governance and running a company. And so this will be really interesting over the next couple of days here. It's cra- it's tanked their stock. Okay. okay. So so just to be clear, this is an alleged fraud. It's an investor lawsuit. Yes. Okay. Good. I just want to, we're not saying there was actually fraud that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They don't, yeah. they don't know yet. Right. Um, okay. Some people are arguing there's no real smoking gun here. Um, there's no concrete evidence of anything, but it's tanked their stock. Just the threat of this. Their share price fell 13 Dollars seventy three cents per share, or twelve point two percent. They're now down below hundred a share. And some of the things are confusing. Like they're accusing Lightspeed of not having any revenue decline during COVID nineteen. But like we talked about Toast, because everybody, all these restaurants, even though restaurants were closing, the restaurants did survive. They had to switch to online point of sales. Right, but Lights, Lightspeed's. Not uh, cloud, right? Lightspeed's not cloud. Now, Lightspeed is not super heavy in, in restaurant as much. They're, I mean, they are now that they bought um, Shopkeep, but Lightspeed historically is a little bit more inventory mm. So yeah. and retail locations. But even still, like, it, it's hard to know where this is at. It's just, it's a pretty big claim and they're saying, you know, it's yeah. a, it's accounting problems internally. Well, so this, <clears throat> this story we're going to get more on by next week, I'm sure. I don't know if you mentioned the numbers, but they're worth saying here. So the, the lawsuit says that pre-IPO, Lightspeed overstated its customer count by 85% and gross transaction volume by 10%. Well, David, that's all the time we have this week. If people want to get in touch with you online, send you a message. Where can they do that? The easiest way is uh, on all the socials. I'm just at David Leary. I am at Blake T. Oliver. Give us a call. Leave us a message. I know people like sending us LinkedIn messages, which is great. I don't mind reading them, but I'd love to hear your voice. You can take a voice memo with your phone and send that to me, blake at blakeoliver.com. You can also call our voicemail number. It's a Google Voice mailbox. Go straight to voicemail. You can leave a message. That number is 202-695-1040, 202-695-1040. We'd love to hear your thoughts about any of the stories on this show or anything else you're thinking about in the world of cloud accounting. We will listen and we will likely play it on the air. I'd love people's opinions on this, like just the everything into it plan. Just pay once and get everything. Until next week, stay healthy and I'll see you here on Sunday. Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to fast track a scalable seven-figure accounting firm that doesn't drive you into the ground, check out Ryan Lazanis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. 
designed around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation. And you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That is www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. I quickly wanted to let you know about a new project that I've been working on for the last year or so. I'm launching a podcast network called Accounting Podcast Network. It has new podcasts that I know you'll love, like the Accounting Salon Conversations podcast hosted by Mandy Aguilar and the Accounting Automation Workflows podcast co-hosted by Brian Clare and Heather Satterley. Head over to accountingpodcastnetwork.com. That's accountingpodcastnetwork.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.